This fan base is amazing. The city of Cincinnati is amazing, and I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Desmond fakes a handoff, runs to the right. He's got all sorts of room to the 30, 25, 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown! Bearcats! 25, for the middle of the field at the 35, and he is gone! Trey Tucker will take it 98 yards to the house! Ball poked away by DeJulius, diving on the floor to grab it is Oguama. Bounces it for Lockett, fires ahead to Adams Woods. DeJulius for three, good! Cincinnati has scored 17 straight! The one-handed catch, hands it off to Marcus Jones. He has tackled it to 34, it. and it is over! Zero losses, zero doubt. Opportunity seized as the Bearcats send a message to the college football world. Did you see that? Hello, listeners, new and old. Welcome back to your favorite Bearcats podcast, Viva the Cats. I am your host, Justin Hiles, accompanied by my great friend, Steve Maurer, and we are here to bring you the very best of the Bearcats. For the preseason and a couple episodes until we're here weekly for the rest of the football and into basketball season. Make sure to check us out on Twitter at VivaLaCatsPod and follow us on Spotify, Apple Pods, or wherever you listen. And also make sure to check out at UC Uniforms for all the up-to-date UniTracker info from Steve. Steve, uh, we have just kind of come off of media days um, and Bearcats are at Camp Higher Ground. Uh, how are we feeling about all that? Uh, Justin, we feel pretty good, honestly, right now. Um, we'll talk about media days and what happened there, but I think there's definitely some good talking points. And um, I just wanted to point out that it's pretty cool to see how much attention uh, the program is getting. Uh, uh, I saw Luke Fickle's media availability for after the first day of camp um, on campus, yeah. um, and it looked like there are more reporters there than I've ever seen before at a UC practice. So that's pretty neat uh, uh, just to see how much bigger the program is getting. That's a small thing, uh, but I don't know. I thought that was cool. So uh, we're not little Cincinnati anymore. It's a, a we're, The program is growing and getting bigger, and uh, that's all thanks to our man, Mr. Luke Fickle. But uh, other than that, Justin, uh, we're less than 30 days away from the first game of the season, and I am pumped. I, I'm excited. How about you? Dude, it's going to be, I'm honestly, like, I think we've been in the dog days of summer, and and it's, I only attribute, I, I love baseball, and I love my summer sports, and, you know, you get the bath, you get the NBA playoffs and whatnot, but it's so nice to have college football be coming back around and just be able to watch some Bearcats games, man. Like, I literally have caught myself, and we'll get to this question later on, but I've caught some, I've caught myself watching Bearcats football games or even just a random college football game that gets replayed on like the Big Ten Network or something because I'm so just itching for football to be back. So uh and, and it's it's so much different than the NFL. It's so much better. Um but I'm I'm really excited for the Bearcats to get back out on the field and start kicking some ass again like we did last year and years prior. So um looking forward to that. Um we can kind of jump into media days. Um so Everything entailed, there was kind of a lot of expectations that uh, Cincinnati would sort of lead the pack um, with Media Day voting. And to a degree, they did, but um, kind of give us a breakdown on exactly what happened because we didn't finish first. 
Yeah. So I guess, um, uh, like I, I don't, I've only saw, I've only seen one ballot, um, and it was Mo Egger's ballot. And, um, I'm sure it should not be a homer. He picked Houston to finish first and then Cincinnati to finish second. So, yeah. um, but Houston finished first, uh, with overall voting, uh, they they only got seven first place votes. Bearcats finished second, even though they got ten first place votes. They did not uh, get enough to overtake Houston for that preseason poll. And then UCF finishes third with uh, seven first place votes of its own. So uh, kind of an interesting top three there. Um, SMU and Memphis round out the top five, and a uh, Temple was picked to finish last. So. Maybe we can cheer on Temple in all the games that are not against UC. That can be our two-lane green wave. For yeah. The year. <laughs> well, and I have a question for you to kind of tangent off of that. Um, going to Houston, I I don't know. Houston's weird to me because I think they've obviously had national prevalence for a long time, kind of fallen off the radar. But I mean, I'm never. You're never going to get UCF out of me as being like a yeah, they're in contention for first or they're in contention for winning because I'm always going to pick the Bearcats over them. But with that said, like, does does Houston really have like the resume and does are they really what's backing up having Houston finishing first? It just doesn't really make sense to me. So what I think it is is more of that they have a continuous starting quarterback in uh, Clayton Toon. I think he's been starting there since 2019, uh, ever since Derek King uh, left Houston. Um, so I, I think that that could be it. Um, they do have a lot of talent on, on offense, and they've had they had a pretty solid defense. People also saw how good they were last year, where they only lost the bookends of their regular season and won 11 straight games in between the first game and the conference championship game that they played in. So maybe a little bit of respect there. Um, and also I think it's just that the fact that UC lost so many guys to the draft last year. And while it's obviously that's like the thing that UC wants to do is just become a better program and just continuously reload and restock and just keep rolling. This is the first time we're really going to see that this year. And uh, while we are confident in Luke Fickle and the development and recruiting abilities because we've seen it. Uh, I wouldn't be, I'm not surprised to see that other people are like, well, they can't be that great again. They were just really good. And they, you know, it's, it's hard to do that again and again, especially at the G5 level. So, so, um, but, you know, I, I just, it's like, it, I'm happy for them and I think it's cool. Um, but, I don't know. I think that that could be the reasons why that UC was only picked to finish second and not first. True. Well, and this is this is definitely a this is definitely I think in my mind like just a matter of like kind of to your point about the Bearcats just have to fall off because we lose so many players to the draft and we lose so many like you know seniors and whatnot. But I really. I don't know. Like I, I understand the conversation, but I just I feel like I, I feel like they're just such a weird angle. And maybe maybe it's just I have a very biased perspective on it, which I obviously do, but it just feels like the Bearcats have such a solid performance over the past five years, really, in looking at that in whole four year four seasons. Um and so like when I look at that Granted, it's been growing and it's sort of this rolling giant, but even though we've lost a lot of talent, like you don't just, you, you know, 
you you just refresh you're reloading you're not you're not resetting or restarting and i i just that i don't know that that to me is really odd i i don't see how anybody could really honestly pick a team coming off of a college football playoff which is like the most upper of upper echelons of achievements in college football and just say they're not even going to finish first in their conference which is perceived as less than five other conferences bare minimum <laughs> so <laughs> i don't know i just i think that's i think that's wild to me personally um i will say for houston good luck to them um it seems like they already have a bit of a bad omen going into this season because uh their mascot uh their uh the houston cougar uh shasta the uh sixth was euthanized Ooh. on friday man and that that's just that's not good mojo going into your season, man. Like, <laughs> I mean, that's that's a that's a that's really sad. But b like, or I don't know. Or Justin, they the, do they play for Shasta and really up their game? So there's a uh, thought in the gambling community that mascot games are the easiest games to bet on. If you're a fan, uh, if you're looking for an easy bet, like for example, I think Air Force's Falcon died a few years ago, um, and yeah. like they were playing against somebody and they were like an underdog, and people kept betting heavily on Air Force because they're like, well, it's a mascot game. Their their Falcon just died. Like they, yeah, you know, they they got a win for the Falcon. So yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. I I think that's kind of funny, um, and, and I I just. Something about that was funny to me. So maybe it's the other way around. But that is sad to see that they, uh, they, they, he died. He got a CNN. He had a CNN tweet about that. Oh, no, no, sorry, a TMZ tweet about that. So yeah, Blip. I mean, <laughs> honestly, like live mascots is always up for debate because you're putting them in such a rowdy situation. I mean, I remember like. There's always you always have mascots and you know some of them you bring out on the field. I feel like you know Georgia's situation where you know they bring him out. And he's a he's a dog. Like he comes out on the field. Like he's fluffy. He's friendly and he's not just this apex predator. I remember when we were in the uh, American Conference Championship game in Memphis and they wheeled that fucking tiger around in a giant cage on wheels while this whole whole stadium is blaring and he's like just cowering in the corner i'm like that's so sad like yeah. I'm, we're not going to get into like whether or not live mascots should be used but like i don't know man i think there's a better life for a lot of these animals and granted they stay at the zoo the most time but i don't think they belong in a football stadium <laughs> yeah well the saddest mascot i've ever seen was a uh, uh, memphis's tiger mascot it, he's in like a glass trailer basically um and like he I don't know. He just looked incredibly sad in there. And well, that's, like, that's what I was saying with the conference championship game. Oh, I'm sorry. He that was, was getting wheeled around. Okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> sorry about that. Yeah. No, you're good. No, like, um, did, did his sirens go off too and stuff like that? Yeah. Really I felt so bad for him. It's so sad. Like, just, it's, I mean, they, they wheel him around like in this gigantic, like, you know, turbo diesel Cummins fucking <laughs> gigantic truck. And just like it's the most Tennessee thing ever, yeah. <laughs> but you know, I I don't know. I I feel bad at, for this. At LSU, uh, 
Mike the Tiger's cage used to be by the visitor's locker room. Uh, and so, like, there would be, like, cheerleaders that were, like, poke Mike in the butt with a stick. So he would, like, growl at the other team as they were coming out. Oh, my and, God. I know. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, it was I don't know. It's a little bit different uh, <laughs> nowadays. But uh, you were talking about Houston, Justin. Yes. Yes. And with Houston specifically, this is a good point to sort of uh, transition here because we want to give our uh, preseason rankings uh, specifically for the American. Um, so kind of wondering like who's going to be in our top three and who's going to be in our bottom three. We don't need to go through everybody. Granted, that's like half the conference, but regardless, Steve, I want to know who takes home your top three positions in that particular order. One, two, and three. All right. Uh, when I've got the Bearcats because duh, um, yeah. <laughs> but I do think the 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 underrated part about this team is that there is a lot of experience coming back, um, and mm-hmm. there's guys like Josh Wiley, Leonard Taylor, and there's a lot of guys on the defense too that played some quality snaps last year that will be coming back, and um, I, I have a lot of trust in the development of Luke Fickle and his staff. So I do think the Bearcats can win it again. Uh, place Houston, uh, I do think Houston looks really good. Um, I. I'm not as high on Clayton Toon as a lot of like the national media yeah. like, uh, uh, player evaluator guys are. I I don't know. I I probably just get rose colored glasses because anybody anytime someone plays just not very good against the Bearcats, I'm like that guy sucks. But uh, you <laughs> know, I gotta think think larger than that. Um, so I I do see them coming in second and third. I'm gonna pick SMU because there you uh, go. Me, I, I don't know. You're, yeah, your former, uh, uh, one, one of your former internship <laughs> locations there. Uh, yeah, the Dallas DFW area. Ponies. Um, yeah. Uh, so I, I really like what they did. They hired uh, Rhett Lashley uh, from Miami, who used to be their former offensive coordinator. Um, they've uh, their shit talking game has been elite uh, with TCU because uh, there was a. I guess SMU held like a one day camp for uh, a lot of kids in the Dallas area and they called it like Dallas day. Um, and then Sonny stole that idea once he went to um, uh, TCU and he called his like DFW day, but SMU held their camp on the same day. So uh, there's, there's no love lost in the iron skillet rivalry. Um, uh, so, but I do think SMU can be good. Um, I don't really know much about their team, but I I, rely, I like Brett Lashley a lot, and I really think they kind of just fell the wheels fell off for them last year when they kind of knew that Sonny was leaving. Um, right. And I, I, but really, it's more that I don't trust UCF right now. Like uh, they kind of have a they have a question too at the quarterback position, uh, whether it's going to be um, John Reese Plumley uh, from Ole Miss or uh, f- forget who the other guy was. Um, or the, like the the guy that started against us after Dylan Gabriel went down, um, I don't know, but he wasn't that great, and they didn't look that great either near the end of the season. They, they had a pretty lackluster eight and four for their standards. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Like Gus is definitely a good coach, and he's going to be a good coach when they get to the Big Twelve too. But I think it'll still take another year for them to really get revved up um, and do what they they want to do. So. Um, and the bottom three, uh, South Florida's definitely got to be in there for me. Um, <laughs> they like, even though they did play well against UC last year, for at least the first quarter and a half, 
they you can't be going two and ten in this league. Like that's just uh, that's bad. Like yeah. The, uh, so Jeff Scott, the guy they hired from Clemson, uh, he's objectively not been very good as a coach. Um, he won three games uh, out of the past two years. Like if you're recruiting at all in this league, like there's enough bad teams that don't really care about football that you should be able to win. But South Florida is yeah. a very interesting concept and um, we'll, we'll have to get into them sometime. Um, that's one of the teams I'm excited to leave behind. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then uh, Navy, sorry to the midshipmen, but they're not going to be very good this year. And uh, Temple, Temple uh, after beating the Bearcats in 2018 and uh, looking like they could be a third adversary to UC and UCF uh, for the years to come. They lost their coach after that season, and then they've kind of just been really bad ever since. So uh, (laughs) I'm not going to miss them uh, when we leave the conference either and, like, you know, not going to miss – on the Lincoln Financial Field and being in a um, front of like a fifty thousand empty seats. So, <laughs> Justin, I've talked long enough. What about you? Uh, what's your top and bottom three? Um, top three, of course, it's got to be the Bearcats at the top. I think you know a lot to the same. If your points is that we're just returning a lot of players as much as we are losing them, I think the the ability to have that baseline sort of function, especially defensively um, going into, you know, a season where you are going to refresh. There's too strong of a bottom line foundation for this program to slip. I mean, at worst they end up in second, but there's no way that they really hit a slip and slide in my mind. Um, Second place, second place I would have to say is probably going to be, I'm, I'm going to say SMU. I think a lot of people might find that kind of spicy there, but um, I think they're returning so many players. They're returning Tanner Mordecai. They're returning a lot of the receiving core. They've got a solid returning cast, and I think that um, with their head coach, uh, with uh, Lashley coming in, he, if I remember correctly, he was on SMU's staff um, a few years ago. And so, like, it's that transition, like, he knows the program, all of those guys in there that especially are at the top end, like, juniors, seniors, or maybe not juniors, but seniors should know him, know his kind of function. And I I really feel like it's not going to be a tough ride as much as people are going to think just because Sonny's leaving, or Sonny has left. But, um, yeah, I'm going to say SMU's second, kind of up there. And then I would probably put Houston at third. Um for the same reason that you said about UCF, I think there's still a lot of question marks on UCF. Um, and of course that's, you know, going to be every year. I wouldn't be surprised if they jumped up into a second or a third position. Um, but personally, I just don't see what really they're bolstering between last year and this year. I mean, UCF is just kind of one of those, it's one of those things like we're we're obviously biased about it, but I'm still not all that crazy on Gus. Like he's he's an interesting, interesting head coach for that program. But like, I just don't I don't I feel like the product is not going to be. First, second, first or second place worthy, maybe third, but I would still pick Houston over them. Um, bottom three. 
I would have to go Temple dead last. Um, I think that's kind of the consensus for everyone. Temple just doesn't seem like they really have a lot going for them. And if I remember correctly, they were piss poor (laughs) in conference play last year. I think they only beat like, I don't even remember who it was. They beat maybe Memphis. USF. Let me let me look last year. Oh, no, no, they, or they did beat Memphis. That was right. That was a weird one. I remember that. Yeah. And so, like, I mean, that that potential is there. But what's really happening in that program? Like, it's just it's there. I mean, Temple, I, I Temple's just a weird one where I think Temple's just a historic program of, you know, historic school that at this point in age, they're trying to figure out their identity. And uh, I think they'll benefit massively from UCF, UC and Houston leaving the conference, <laughs> they might be able to hit their stride in a similar way. Uh, you mentioned US- USF. Personally, I'm not going to rank UCF here because they're not going to be in my bottom three. I I have UCF as kind of an underdog this year that might be able to pull out a couple more wins than we'd expect. Um, so with that said, I would probably still put uh, Tulane um, at the bottom here too, uh, and bottom three and mm, I don't know, man. I can't, I can't really pick ECU because ECU was solid, um, as much as they, you know, are kind of what split on a seven, seven win season last year, something like that. Six wins. I, 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 I would say probably Tulsa then I think USF is going to finish right above them, but I think, yeah, Temple, Temple, mm, yeah, yeah, I would, I, I would go with that. Nate, nah, no, okay, I, I take that out. It's gonna, it's gonna be Temple at the very bottom, Navy, and then Tulane, and then everybody else is gonna be in the middle of the pack. And I really hope that this year is one of those years where we do have a bit more of a clear and away top. And a sort of clear and away bottom because last year was just, I feel like one of those weird years in the American where it just didn't seem like <laughs> every, I mean, the Bearcats obviously took clear and away number one, but I feel like after the Bearcats, there was a lot of mishmash of teams like beating up on each other, random wins and random losses that shouldn't have happened. Yeah. Um, so that's that's my perspective on that. I would say that would round out my rankings. Um, but we do have the consensus. You see at the top, Temple at the bottom. I think that just kind of makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I, I also wouldn't be surprised if Memphis somehow snuck up there. But they, uh, I don't know. They're weird, man. Like, they went 6-6 six and six last year, and that's not, not very Memphis yeah. at all. And, like, you know, I, I wonder what that the new coach is, is doing there. So did the Bearcats break Memphis? My column. Hey man, honestly, I think, I think the, I think, <laughs> I think the entire city of Memphis used up all of their luck towards like the Grizzlies uh, for the playoffs, and then uh, whatever they had before that used up against the Bearcats to pull out that American Conference Championship, and it has just been a, in my mind, I see that as a rough ride ever since. Yeah. That's what you get for beating up the Bearcats, and that's what you get for A, taking our home field advantage, and B, screwing us over. And I still remember the, the, I, I, the 
uh, I don't even know what ball ball boy, whoever Memphis was going over. I don't know if you remember hearing about that. You probably, yeah. I, you were there the guy that was like reporting signs and signals and like listening into the huddles and then going back and telling the staff on Memphis. It's like, that's just, Ooh, no. Yeah. That, that I hate Memphis after that. And their fans were such assholes after that game. I, so Memphis, I never dude. want to go back to Memphis after that, man. I I have a true disdain for Memphis after that like consecutive two weeks, but mainly because we traveled for those two weeks in a row and uh, watched the Bearcats lose two weeks in a row. But, you know, it ended up working out for us last year, so I don't really yeah. care about it anymore. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I, don't, I don't care about them. I'm glad to be done with them, but, you know, it's just kind of, funny (laughs) yeah well this would be a good time to uh transition into a sort of segment uh to a degree uh that we're trying to uh implement right now um which is going to be our takes are they scorching hot spicy or mild we don't really have a name for this but it's all about our takes are they hot or not essentially (laughs) um so to kick this off, um, first take, because this is a question that is looming in everyone's mind. Will Ben Bryant be the starting QB by the end of the start of the season? And then more so, what does that going to look like at the end of the season? Take specifically we're reacting to Ben Bryant being the starting QB at the start and the end of the season instead of Evan Prater. Uh, I don't really think that that's, uh, I'm going to say that's a mild take, Justin. Uh, that's kind of, I don't know. It doesn't really, it really doesn't really get me going. It doesn't really excite me to say (laughs) that, but, um, I don't know. I think, uh, there's a reason why he was brought back and there's a reason why like they wanted to give him a chance because he knows the offense and, you know, he can definitely be like a serviceable guy, um, to take over uh, after Desmond Ritter, and uh, I think he played well enough last year at Eastern to deserve another chance. So, if Prater's really not the guy, uh, I wonder if you know it's a little bit of a, a, a unfortunate circumstance for Prater because I'm sure he didn't think that Des was going to get a chance to come back for a fifth year with the COVID rules. Obviously, he couldn't have predicted that. Um, right. A normal world, like Des would have been gone after the full 2020 season, and Evan Prater would have started last year, but probably doesn't lead the Bearcats to the playoff. And so it's interesting yeah. to see what ends up happening. Um, now, I, I'm also worried about Prater too, just because he is like skin and bones, and like he looks like he's beefed <laughs> up a little bit, but still, like if someone coming across the middle, it just kills him. I, yeah. Well, obviously, I don't want him to die. That would be bad. Um, but uh, just I don't know. It's just like an injury risk to me, and um, having a yeah. more like pocket passer t- st- uh, type guy like Ben Bryant, uh, that'll be great. Like because neither of those guys uh, are going to be Des, um, right? Well, I, and we just got to come to terms with that, unfortunately. Yeah, I personally think that it's also a mild take, uh, be- because of a lot of the same reasons there, but mainly because he does have that experience within the team. And I mean, Gino went from, you know, 
QB's coach to OC. And so if your OC brings in a guy that was formerly on the team who now had racked up what, like a 3000 yard season last year, like he's got a lot of that extra experience, like just starting game to game to game that he didn't get to have. But I remember watching him play in Memphis. I'm like, this guy can sling it. Like he was really good in those games against Memphis when Des was questionable and, you know, kind of coming in and out. Um, and personally, like, I really like him too, and I think that he's just got that experience that Evan could definitely build on. What I don't want to see, personally, is a... I I don't mind a QB battle. I don't want to have a QB swap because we kind of did that with Ben and with Dez, and I felt like it was really tough to get either of them in a rhythm when it ended up being like, yeah, playing like two quarters, maybe come out for a quarter, this or that. And like, even if it's not that, or like even game to game, like we need one starter that's, you start at the beginning of the season, you play through the rest of the season. And personally, I think given experience and given relationships with Gino, I think that it would be Ben, but there is obviously still the possibility with Evan. Evan's got a little bit more of the legs under there and Ben's just a pure passer. And I mean, that's my perspective on it, but um yeah, I, w- I would say that's probably a mild take. Next take. Um, the Bearcats lose a game at home. Oh, I'm going to say this is a medium take because um, <laughs> I don't really think there's anyone on the schedule other than maybe Kennesaw State like coming out and just doing like you know, weird triple option type things. But I think the Bearcats should be ready for that just because of playing Navy from over the years. So I'm not entirely worried about that. Um, our home schedule is nothing really like that scares me at all. So I don't think it'll happen, but I'm not like completely out of the realm of possibility. Like, would you count like a home loss against Houston in the conference championship as a, um, as a, you know, the, the, that would count as a home loss. Right. right. I mean, Eh, regular season is okay. more so we're looking at. Yeah, because then so, I mean, yeah. Just from looking at the the home schedule, um, obviously there's Kennesaw and Indiana. Um, I'm pulling it up right now. Sorry, but um, I I don't know. Like, it'd be really hard to say like they could just keep winning. But um, South Florida that should be a win. Navy should be a win. East Carolina should like all of them should be wins. And you know, I'm just wondering if like. Something happens in one of those where we just don't play up to our game and we lose. But um, I don't know. I I think it's also kind of piggybacks off your first question about the quarterback situation because yeah, something happens and the quarterback situation isn't that great. Like the defense, like is going to be good again, but they can't score points for. They shouldn't be relied on to score points for you. But right. Um, that's the thing that's exciting about the schedule, though, is that like our conference schedule is relatively cake. Like I, I mean, SMU yeah. is definitely a hard game, um, and it, maybe Tulsa. Like after having so many uh, near miss and just uh, mad at us moments over the past yeah. two years, uh, can <laughs> right. finally uh, beat us at their place after them having to come to Cincinnati for three straight years. So, um, <laughs> like I. I'm I'm a little bit worried about that one, but that one's on the road. So, um, right. They're gonna say that's a mild take. Uh, sorry, medium take. Medium take. I'm actually gonna say that uh, this is a mild take, 
And I think it's mainly because I'm expecting us to lose a home game. Really? Not what, that what I want saying? us to. Nobody wants us to. I what I see is is exactly what everybody else media wise in the country sees, and not for a lack of losing out on this or that. I think what's going to happen is without a lot of that extra top end veteran leadership at some point or another in this season with our homestand, we're going to fuck up somewhere. Like I don't, I thoroughly, my brain tells me to not believe that. And my body tells me to not believe that, but we've been killing people at Nippert for so, so long. And it's been a build over time. That's just kind of kept going up and up and up and up and up and up. I feel like it's, it's, I feel like at some point this season, we're going to be due for that loss at home that we've been avoiding for so, so long. And it just, I, I don't know, man. I, I feel, I I don't know who it is. It's definitely not going to be Tulane. I, I, I don't think it's going to be ECU. Navy still scares me after last year, even though they were bad. Like that still scared me. Granted, that was at Navy, but when I look at like Indiana or USF or just somewhere in here, I feel like there's going to be a rock in the road, and I don't necessarily think that it's going to be necessarily an away team. We've got a couple tough away teams. I mean. SMU, UCF are going to be tougher than I think we're expecting. And I think the Tulsa one, like you mentioned too, that's going to be tough. But I feel like we've just got so comfortable playing in Nippert that it's going to trip us up. And I really don't think it's going to be Kennesaw State. I think if it's going to be anybody, it's probably going to be like a, a Navy or an Indiana, personally. Like, I don't, I, it's, I don't know. I just have this weird feeling about it. I don't. I don't feel 100% confident that we're going to finish out by the end of the year uh, 100% nipper, but I would love to be proven wrong on that feeling. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, so here's kind of another point tangents into this take, but the Bearcats have the 87th strongest schedule in football per ESPN's FPI, which is really, really far down that list. When you consider the fact that like there's what 130 or so teams in <laughs> FBS, so 131. That's Shout out James. 131. Madison. 131. There you go. JMU uh, making their way up, but man, dude, like 87th on that list, like that. I mean, I think we all have this expectation that we're not going to go into the college football playoff. I haven't even thrown a question on here about the college football playoff because it's just so far away. Our schedule is not strong enough. We could wax everybody by 25 and we'll still get left out. I know that that is just going to happen this year. If we go undefeated, not a chance. I just don't see it, especially after last year. I don't see us getting the respect that we would deserve, even if we kicked everybody's ass. So with that said, Cincinnati cracks the top six at some point in this season in AP or coaches poll. Um, I don't really think so. Um, I'm going to say that is a scorching take. Um, really, a lot of things had to come together last year for us to be involved in the top six. Like We were definitely a good team. 
Ohio State losing early, and then Oregon State losing. Uh, oh, sorry, uh, Oregon proper losing. Um, and then a lot of teams just kind of looking generally not that great um, or just having one loss, like Alabama as well. Um, I think that a, a lot of factors came together last year uh, to give us yeah. what we needed uh, to get in. Um, and not that I don't see those coming back again, uh, but I think a lot of these uh, fifth-year seniors, it's going to be like a lot of the last year of the COVID guys uh, that are still around, and like this is going to be the last year of the old team. So maybe we'll see some more of that. But I think like 2021 being as relatively crazy as it was was a product of a lot of seniors coming back for one more year and uh, really making a lot of teams that might not have been as strong stronger. Uh, so right. I think that might be what the um, what what happened with last year. But I mean, it'd just be really hard for me to see, especially because Indiana is not going to be. Obviously, they weren't that good last year, and they won't be as good this year. Um, and we don't have Notre Dame on the schedule. Yeah, <laughs> especially Notre Dame on the road on the schedule. Exactly. So I I don't know I I don't really see us getting uh, back up there because we'll get the usual schedule uh, complaints this year. Yeah, um, I'm gonna have to say it's a I would say it's a scorching I'd say it's a spicy take, and as much as that goes in the face of everything that I just said in the prior question, um, I do think that there is a possibility, and it has to involve exactly the kind of things that happened last year. Like I said, there's no possible chance we make the college football playoff this year. I firmly believe that. But cracking the top six, going up, coming down, I think if we stay, maybe not even undefeated, but if we if we maybe lose one game, maybe if we lost right out the gate to Arkansas and won out the entire rest of the season, if we're really starting to beat up on some teams, college football last year was crazy, man. And like, I think that kind of that chaos added to us being in the position to make the college football playoff. But I think that extra step, like if that kind of craziness happens again, where like an OSU blows it to like Oregon at home or OSU loses to Michigan, like those kind of games where you're like, that's not going to happen happens. I think there's a legitimate possibility that we get up there. Do we stay there for long? I don't think so, but that's why I'm saying that I would think that this would be a spicy take, but not necessarily like ridiculous. I think there is a possibility, but it's a farther fetched one. Um, so with that said, uh, kind of curtailing into this, the Bearcats lose two or more games this season. Um, I, I don't know. I, I'd say that's a medium, medium take. Um, now, obviously, it depends on how you feel about Arkansas and what do you think the the Bearcats will right. do in that game. I looked at the FBI, um, and right now ESPN has UC at twenty seven and Arkansas at twenty six. So, mm-hmm. I'm thinking that should be a pretty evenly matched game. Um, Arkansas lost a lot uh, last year. I think their quarterback, uh, no, it was their wide receiver that got drafted pretty high, uh, Traylon Burks, and then I forget. Uh, yeah. what happened with their quarterback, but I don't think he's there anymore. Um, I, I think he got drafted, but they definitely had a, like a really strong team. They were known for doing a, a whomping by the yeah. great college football writer, Spencer Hall. They were known for doing a whomping. Uh, so I think that 
it's possible that you could you could see two, um, but it, and it also depends on like the quarterback situation. But other than Arkansas, I really don't see us losing another game. Now maybe I'm setting my expectations too high, but um, that I heard something recently that like you know that Cincinnati fans we should be kind of like you know, strutting our shit a little bit more, and I I kind of agree with it. Like uh, this this team has won. 10 games uh in every year since 2018 except for the covid uh year but they still won like they've won nine games every year since 2018 they, uh yeah they've been, they've been to the conference championship three straight years in a row like they and they could have gotten there in 18 as well obviously the the loss right. has hurt but i really am maybe i'm i mean i feel like i should be confident in this team because we we have luke fickle still and we've got great players. We've recruited really well. I really don't see the reason to be like thinking this could be the the drop off year, other than the guys we lost. Right. Well, okay. So I'm I'm gonna go kind of along with that on this one, but I I think you you said this one was a medium take, correct? You said this was this was a spicy, spicy, oh, not mild, not scorching. I'm what did sorry, you say I'm 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 completely off on the. Um, <laughs> it is it is definitely <laughs> a spicy take. Yes. Okay, <laughs> I I believe again. I'm not combating things that I've said earlier as much as I'm trying not to, but I think it's I I think it's a scorching take, and I'm going along with kind of the same thing you're saying here as as that. We do need to sort of strut our stuff, and I do think that we're, I think that we're program-wise set and solid. And when you really look at the full season schedule, like there aren't any teams that should trip us up. But back to my point earlier about losing a game at home, I think if we are going to lose, it's going to be in one of those situations because we're going to be more relaxed. And I mean, I think. I think obviously like you, you prep for certain games and you have some close calls here and there. I think last year, like I'd have to let me, you're going to have to give me a quick five seconds here because I want to look exactly at our schedule. Cause my brain is telling me that, uh, the layout of our season last year led to exactly what my thought is here on, uh, let's see. Yeah, it's 2021 schedule. I want to make sure I have this right in my head. Here we go. Of course. Now it's giving me basketball. Damn it. <laughs> Apologies, uh, guys. I have the um uh, I I have the the schedule pulled up here if you want me to read it off real quick. Oh, here we go. Yeah, yeah, no, no. I got it now. Uh yeah. So this is exactly why I'm saying this. Granted, Granted, again, I'm going back to Navy, and Navy was on the road. But what did we do at the beginning of this season last year? We beat up on Miami, just torched them. We beat up on Murray State. After a very unconvincing first half, beat up on them in the second half. Bearcats are a second-half team. Probably will still be the case this year, especially this year. Uh, pulled one away from Indiana. Convincingly beat Notre Dame. We are riding high at this point. Then what do we do? We beat the living brakes off of Temple, and then we beat the brakes off of UCF. 
both at home. At this point, we are at the top of the top. We're like, all right, we are cruising through the schedule. Who is going to be the team that like fucks up our entire season? There's no possible way it could be Navy. And that's exactly when we got comfortable, and we almost blew that. Navy got close. Like, granted, like the score I don't necessarily think reflects the entire game, but Navy was way closer in that game than they ever should have been. And that's why, again, like I look at this whole kind of scenario with this season is like, I don't think we're going to lose two or more, but I think we're going to blow one at home. And I, I really do just because I think we could get, we could get in a rhythm and we could just, just get too comfortable. The Bearcats do not play well when they're comfortable. Like the Bearcats play best when they're uncomfortable. And I mean, I think that's more of a looking over the past couple years, but like Notre Dame, as much as people like would like to say that we were comfortable, we were very uncomfortable in that game like that. And even Indiana, like those are, those are shaky. Those are shaky kind of games as much as they were having some amount of dominance at a certain point or another, like those games, we're not a hundred percent confident in like, even with Indiana, like, you know, like, uh, Indiana just came off what the, the year they had before that in the big 10, I think was pretty solid. If I remember correctly, they weren't just, they ended up being terrible last year. Um, but like, I think, I think when we have a bit more to play for and to prove, I think that we do a little bit better. Um, and that sort of mid-season lull that we had last year, I don't see how we don't end up having that again with less experience on the board. So I think it's fair. I just like I, I don't know. I I don't think Luke will let them get complacent. Like I don't think Luke will let them true. Like have that's that, a good point. That bad game. Like I just I'm putting all my faith in Luke, to, <laughs> and like uh, I don't know. I just he really just makes me think of like. One of those elite coaches like a Saban or like a, a, you know Urban Meyer back in the day. Now Urban Meyer would it's drop true. drop a game for sure, like to, <laughs> a stinker, a real yeah. bad stinker that yeah. gave me much pleasure and joy over the years. Um, but like, <laughs> in in you know Nick Saban's Alabama dropped a few games here and there, but the way Fick has built the program right now, I really just I don't know I. I think our team is just so much better than the other teams in this conference. And even with the guys we lost, like maybe we won't get to the playoff again, but I think we're still a lot better than nine of the other 10 teams. And we're probably yeah. a, on paper, a toss up with Houston. Yeah, that's fair. That, that's definitely fair. But like I said, I mean, at the end of the day, the way I still see it, like there's, I don't see how we lose two games. But I can definitely see us seeing seeing us lose one for sure. Like I, I'm I'm expecting that, foolheartedly expecting that. If you um, had to pick one, which one would it be? Oh, um, I I feel like it could be out the gate. But if it's not out the gate with Arkansas, I think it might be. I think it might be SMU on the road. Indiana, yep. like I said, scares me at home, but I, I, you know, if we lose a home game, I think it's going to be Indiana. But if we lose a game in the season, I think it's going to be SMU. I think, I really think that there's, they're returning so many good players and they're going to be pissed about last season's game. 
They've got a lot. I mean, they've got a lot to prove. And honestly, and this will tangent into a question that I have for us later, but um, I think this is the year, like everybody sort of asks us, like what, what is there for Houston, Cincinnati, and UCF to prove on their way out? There's a lot for us to prove, but if there's not a lot for us to prove, there's even more so to prove for all of these teams that are getting left behind that could be the power hitters for the AAC once we're gone, like USF, SMU, especially, and Memphis, especially. So it's a good um, point for sure. I just am thinking back on like, Justin, have you realized that we haven't lost a, a regular season game in like two years? The last regular season yeah. game we lost was that Black Friday Memphis game, yeah. uh, which yeah. is, I don't know, it's just crazy <laughs> to think about. Um, like, I, I really think about it too. Like, the Bearcats have won a lot of those one score games or close games, you know? Uh, mm-hmm. And it just like makes me think that. I could definitely see them like dropping one of those games, but just the experience that's been built up, like, you know, they've been able to win a lot of those one score or close games over the past three, four years that that's why I'm so like high on them is just because they've been able to pull those out and get wins um, from those situations yeah. before. Yeah. And that's, that's a good, that's a good point to mention too. I mean, it's, there really is a element of dominance that we've had that like definitely attributes to a lot of those wins, even in those close situations. It's actually makes me think of another one. This will be very quick. I want like 15 seconds on this. Um, the Bearcats will be <laughs> anywhere other than dead fucking last in field goal efficiency. Uh, they uh, no, that's a very uh, scorching take. They will be better. Uh, Ryan Coe, my guy, he's gonna be better. Um, so I guess that's a uh, I'm no, no, I'm saying I guess that's a, mi- a mild, mild take. Yeah, <laughs> that's the most mild take. It's I the most mild make. take. Yes, yes, I agree. And if it's not, then I think, um, well, Brian Mason isn't the special teams coach anymore, so uh, we don't have to yeah. fire him. It's Kerry Combs now, your guy. Is our, uh, so. Yeah. So, um, and if there's anything Kerry Combs is going to do, it's going to be whip your ass in shape. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll we'll find a kicker somehow. So, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm I'm not worried about it. Ryan Kell, my man, I have all the faith in the world in you. Last one on the rundown here uh, for Bearcats specific um, is going to be about Nick Marner, uh, and that Nick Marner will be the leading receiver this season for the Bearcats across all categories. Not necessarily against all statistics, but against like tight ends. Um, I think that's a pretty scorching take, just because like he has not been in the offense for just but this one off season. Like, I like Tyler Scott to be that guy. Um, so yeah. me, like I'm I'm thinking about you know Tyler Scott, uh, or I'm thinking about Trey Tucker, um, because Nick Marner is definitely like guy that I could see it being but I think we expected a lot of things out of Michael Young and Jordan Jones that like never really mm-hmm. materialized and they were kind of more used as like decoys to draw off the the defense rather than like and then you know to open up space for Alec Pierce um and you know right. Trey Tucker and Tyler Scott so um I I don't know I I just really like Tyler Scott so I I'm thinking that's that's my guy for this year. Trey Tucker definitely <laughs> is good, but uh, Tyler Scott had such like kind of a breakout year for a, a like a, a unknown freshman uh, 
would you say? But I, like, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm just high on him. So I'd say that's a pretty scorching take. Yeah. Um, I'm still kind of undecided on this one. I mean, I think personally, I think it, I think it's a spicy take. But I wouldn't say that it's a scorching take. And I think it's because of the unknown. But also because of this one fact. Let me pull up Tyler Scott. Wait, where is he at here? Because I just want to give exact numbers here. Tyler Scott. There we go. Okay. And now I'm going to pull up our other friend, Trey Tucker who also would be expected to be leading and receiving. Uh, and this is mainly just talking about receivers right now uh, more than anything. But I would like you to think about this. And this is where I think Nick Marner can do a lot of work in the same way that I see Alec Pierce. And maybe it's just because I am so... I have the rose-colored glasses on Alec Pierce because of this build. Trey Tucker is 5'9". As receiver, I mean, granted, that's going to give you speed more than anything, but 5'9", not going to win a lot of matchup advantage. Corner, sure, you might be in there, whatever. Tyler Scott, 5'11". Nick Marner jumps to 6'6", as a receiver, and that is a huge, huge get. And I just, if, if the man can catch the ball anywhere close to a, a fashion that we saw like with Alec Pierce last year, that height and reach advantage over pretty much any corner is going to be insane. And, and he's got the experience coming out of Hawaii. He's got like, he's got a lot on the plate. I really don't see how like, there's no way. I, I, I feel like there's a genuine possibility that he could really break out with the Bearcats, even without that experience in this offense. It might take a couple games, but I feel like he could really be the primary option once we get later into the like middle to late side of the season. But height also isn't going to mean everything. I mean, ultimately, it's going to come down to like how you jive with the offense and if that really works. But I mean, on paper, the way I see it, like there's a legitimate possibility that like that could be the case. Yeah, um, and I, I mean, I like that possibility too. I think like, especially in this league, I don't think there's any corners like Sauce that can really you know, give them, uh, give a guy like Nick Marner any trouble. So I definitely, <laughs> I definitely could see it. I'm just thinking of like, uh, just from past experiences, how like our transfer wide receivers were not really used that True. much. So I was just like, just kind of basing that off of just what I, what I had been seeing before. Well, and that's a good, I mean, that's a good point though, too. I mean, you make a very valid point there that like, transfers as much as we do get them aren't necessarily used as heavily in that. I mean, if you have that as kind of a system thing, like there's definitely the opportunity there, but like if that's kind of what really goes down, I mean, that could be the case here for him too. But like I said, I think for me on paper, I think there's a legitimate shot. And honestly, I think it, I think also this is going to heavily depend on who's, who's, you know, behind the ball with the QB. Like I, I, if if it's Ben, I really think that like he could be a primary target. I think if it's Evan, I don't know. I just see that kind of I see that more flashy kind of mixed dual threat kind of offense, and with 
Ben, I see that more just like elite passer. And I think that that might, you know, make him more of a target there. But who knows? Um, regardless, transitioning out of this, we'll try to make these ones a little bit quicker. Um, specifically speaking, outside of the Bearcats, um, scorching, spicy, or mild takes, Georgia and Alabama make the playoff again this year. Both of them. Not individually, but both of them. Um, um, I'd say that's a pretty spicy take, just because... Uh, well, I think the other part that contributed uh, to last year being weird is that obviously Georgia and Alabama are quite good, and they both had like a lot of talent, even though Nick Saban said last year was a rebuilding year for Alabama, which is uh, very annoying. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So I'm I'm thinking that um, like I I think there's a chance that obviously Ohio State gets there. There could. Maybe Notre Dame, although I think it'll take a little bit of time for Marcus to get and work back up to where uh, where they want to be. Um, I think Clemson, if really Clemson takes off, they they could come back. I want to see what USC does this year. I'm interested in them. If they really start lighting it up, they could be a trendy pick for the playoff just because of that uh, that name brand. Um, and yeah. I think Georgia is kind of the same idea as you see, obviously, like they've lost like basically their entire defense to the draft. Um, so, and like Alabama is just going to be otherworldly. So not that Georgia is going to lose a game uh, during the regular season, but I wonder if it's going to be where they like don't really impress anybody and then they lose the conference championship and there's more deserving teams that are picked over them. I think that would be hard just because they're uh, like a, a you know obviously a SEC team that goes that would go, theoretically be going twelve and zero in that scenario, but mm-hmm. I could see it again just because of how good they are and they're not going to meet in the regular season. So I yeah definitely see that happening, but I'm wondering if some of the like the previously good teams really come back and uh, take those spots back. True. Um. My perspective on this, I honestly think it's a pretty mild take. I really think that the odds of both of them ending up, and again, is exactly for that point that you just mentioned, is that they're not going to meet in the regular season. Um, These two teams are, I mean, you have Alabama, who's expected to be the world beater, who's coming off of losing in the national championship game. And you have Georgia, who won the national championship game. And... I don't know. I mean, I I think as much as I would hate to see it, I really feel like the odds are just in their favor for both of them to make it because they could just run through their schedule, inevitably meet each other in a conference championship game or some sort of, you know, some situation maybe that ends up being in, you know, the Cotton Bowl or... um you know, it may or the Orange Bowl, but I, <laughs> I, I, it's it seems like a wash of just every single year. Like you've got to expect at least one of them, if not both. And I think with both of them beating the two teams, which granted were both newcomers, being Cincinnati and Michigan coming into the college football playoff, and those kind of might get written off you can never really write off both of these teams. Like it's just the media perception. It's the fan base. It's the rolling train that both the teams are. I I think it's a mild take personally. Um, 
Next one. Uh, Ohio State misses the playoff again. I don't see it. I I don't know. I would really love that, but uh, they're good, and I don't think Michigan is going to have it for them. Hired um, a really good uh, defensive coordinator. They stole him from Oklahoma State. So, like, I could see them, their their defense really getting back to where it was. Um, and then DJ Stroud and, like, Jackson Smith. Uh, who's the guy that was left over from the receiving squad? Oh, no, no, it was, it was Jackson Smith and Jigba. Um, yeah. They're just going to be loaded again. They should be really good again. I don't think they really have a big non-conference game like Oregon this year. Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. Uh, Notre Dame, first game on the schedule for them. Uh, so I think they will just be otherworldly again, and they won't uh, accept uh, making the playoff again. So uh, I'm going to say they, they get back to back to the playoff. So I would deem your take a scorching take. <laughs> gotcha. Um, I'm going to say I'm going to say it's a spicy take only because I want to believe that because I have zero allegiances to literally anyone in the Big Ten because screw them all. But I would love to see Michigan wax or not wax them because they're not good. That's never going to happen. I would love to see Michigan pull off another upset against Ohio State just because it finally shut them up for once ever. Yeah. And <laughs> granted, that's more of a desire than it is like a true belief. But if Michigan could pull off beating Ohio State in the shoe, I really like. I mean, there's no possible chance they make the playoff if that happens. Like, impossible. No. And granted, I mean, I think a lot of people are going to expect Michigan to kind of fall off too, in the same way that they look at Cincinnati. But, um, you know, if 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 there's ever a time to believe in Mister Har- Harbaugh, this is the year because last year was great. If they could do it again, I mean, I and who knows, maybe. Maybe you have something like a Purdue or something that just trips up Ohio State. I mean, because I think Ohio State this year might get a little bit of the benefit of the doubt because everybody looked at last year and they're like, that's an off year. This year is definitely going to be like different. If they mess up, they're going to beat the shit out of everybody. But I mean, I think I think it would take a I think it would take a Michigan to beat them or maybe like a Penn state or something, which I don't see that happening, but yeah, maybe I like don't know. a Michigan I, state too, uh, but I'm not yeah. sure. Well, and I mean, Mel Tucker really had something going last year. I mean, they, and they beat Michigan too. Um, you know, who ended up going to, they beat Michigan who beat Ohio state. Granted, I think Ohio state beat <laughs> Michigan state. So that really doesn't, you know, equate. It's sort of the circle of suck, I guess at that point, but uh, you know, I think, I think it's, I think it's spicy. I think there's, I think there's a chance that they do it, but the odds are definitely in their favor to make it. I saw something like, uh, today I was sitting in the airport and saw a, uh, breakdown of the top t- of the, of the big 10 expected rankings and who has the highest chances to win, um, to win the big 10. And <laughs> I actually, I want you to guess what their top four was. Not even talking about percentages. Guess what their top four was? Um, Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan State, and uh, uh, Wisconsin. (laughs) This is the craziest thing I had ever seen. It was Ohio State at like 76%. 
Michigan at like 8% something like that. And then it was Wisconsin and Nebraska. Oh. I was like, what? Where did that come from? Nebraska was given like a 4% chance to win the Big Ten. Maybe it's because of their schedule and it's like in the perfect world. Like if you, I don't know. But <laughs> I saw that and I was like, you've got to be kidding me. If you're going to talk about anybody winning the Big Ten this year, Nebraska would be the last team that I would think of, no except for maybe Indiana <laughs> or, or Northwestern. I mean, granted, there's a lot of, or Rutgers. I mean, honestly, there's a lot of really bad teams in the, in the Big Ten when you think about it. But Nebraska is definitely not one of the upper echelon teams that I would think that would win the Big Ten. Um, but regardless, I thought that was entertaining. I thought you'd want to hear that. Um, That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> um, on to our next one. Uh, Clemson makes a return to the playoff. Um, it just depends on the quarterback. I'm gonna say that's a that's a spicy take. Um, because like if the quarterback is, uh, DJ Uyunglele uh, is good, and I think Clemson uh, is gonna be all right. Uh, but Clemson has also lost, like, the, a big part of their run was that they had all of their coordinators for so many years, and now the, all of yep. those coordinators are gone. And they made different hires, um, and they don't – I don't know. Like, they, it just depends on whether you like those hires or not. But I think that they could definitely make it because the ACC should be weak uh, this year. And I think as long as their quarterback stuff gets worked out, they should be – able to go undefeated um, you know if their program is still what it was a few years ago they they should be able to go undefeated and get to the playoff now I guess Miami would have the thing to say say about that so like if Miami were to somehow turn it on and uh, get to the playoff then obviously I don't think two ACC teams would be going but um, right I, I think it all just comes down to that quarterback and then um, Miami so um, but I'll, okay. I'll say that's a spicy take I'm going to say this is a scorching take. Wow. And for a similar reason to what you just stated with Miami, uh, Pitt obviously is probably not going to be the Pitt that we had last year. Um, but I think for a bit of different reasons. Um, personally, I think maybe this is just my bias, but I think that the conversation about the impending Big 12, the moves the pending moves of texas and oklahoma to the sec usc ucla to the big 10 the pac-12 falling apart and watching what the pac-12 did to itself last year and watching what the acc did to itself last year uh good old-fashioned cannibalism i don't see i i see clemson tripping up to somebody and everything equals nothing, essentially. And it's going to be just enough to keep them out. And I, I really, I, I firmly believe that when I look at, like, with Oregon last year, Oregon had the perfect studded resume, and they just screwed it all up. Utah just screwed it all up. Like, it, <laughs> everything was there for, like, Oregon to make it, and they, they messed it up on their own. Right. Utah, you know could have made it had they not fumbled, you know, earlier on in the season. And so, like, I don't know. I look at that, and I look at Clemson as the same way, and I think a lot of what the points you make about the coordinators, too, I'm really not high on the Dabo train. I think a lot of that really did come down to, like, 
Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence, like those guys were studs at Clemson. And like, you know, if DJ can pull it off and, you know, be that kind of same stud QB, then we can see that. But it's yet to be seen that like a, a, a QB in granted, it's really only a year out, but of the, of the sort of era of those two. But I mean, I just don't see how Clemson's going to be able to build. They're going to have the benefit of the doubt way more than any American team obviously would probably any more than any PAC 12 team will have. But I feel like that conversation and that narrative has started to shift more towards the big 12 and the impending moves in the big 12. And people are starting to see that kind of strength of schedule there. And that's where I say my bias comes in. I kind of tangent away from that, but I think the big 12 has enough money-making and you know, sort of that noise making that really could shake it up. And I think Clemson falling off here, if they don't do it this year, geez, I don't see how they keep the ball rolling with the new additions, to the big 12 next year, the sec getting bolstered up with Texas and Oklahoma. And then on top of that, you've got, you know, you see it USC and UCLA, then moving to the pac 12, you know, in what 2024, um, okay. I, I think Clemson, Clemson's really got to make their move now if they are, but I don't see it happening this year. I think that train's gone. I think the ship has sailed on Clemson, but calling it done. <laughs> yeah. I finished. The regime is over. Uh, the old <laughs> king is the big dead. 12. Long live the king. Yeah. <laughs> speaking of the big 12, um, this again goes to the playoff. Uh, we're, we're running a little long here, but it's whatever. We can keep talking on it. The Big 12 makes a playoff spot. Any team in the Big 12 makes a playoff spot this year. Mm, well, I am going to say that is a scorching take because while I scorching. respect Baylor and Oklahoma State, um, I think Baylor could, could be really getting up there. I, I don't know. I don't see them giving enough respect uh, unless it's like a, um, you know, unless uh, to like a team that is not Texas or Oklahoma. Um, now, if Texas really like somehow turns it on and beats Texas, is never back. Yeah, it's not no, happening. No, no. Okay, all right. I, I won't even try on that one. Um, but if <laughs> Oklahoma is like still like really good, yeah. they could definitely have a shot to make it. Like them be not being involved last year really helped UC because if right like, they had made it however many years in a row just by being really good uh, and winning that conference. So um, right. I think they uh, should, like, like I think it, Oklahoma could be one of the, the teams from the Big 12, uh, either them or Baylor. But other than that, I don't know. Um, I still see maybe SEC getting Georgia and Alabama in, uh, Ohio State, obviously, Clemson. Like It could be another year of just the normal contenders. Yeah, um, I say for those same similar reasons, it's a mild take to the opposite of that, mainly because of what I just said about Clemson. Um, I think that I, I I don't know. I personally don't feel high on the ACC. I feel like media perception is not felt super high on the ACC. And the only reason anybody would feel high on the ACC is dependent completely upon Clemson. Miami people like to talk about everybody. I feel like Miami's in the same boat as Texas. Everybody says, this is Miami's year, and then it never is. <laughs> and so from that perspective, like 
I think there. I think the ACC is going to uh, cannibalize itself. I think the Pac-12 has just had so much negative media over the past, you know, couple months, just with everything happening and moves being made. That I think the Pac-12 is thoroughly dead in that conversation right now. I re- even though they're all still there, I think that conversation is just put it quiet. Sure, you might have like a strong champion who might get close, but. I think that conversation's done. So those two conferences in my mind are out. American, we're out, just not happening. And the way I see it, I mean, who else do you have left? You have the SEC, you have the Big Ten, and you have the uh, Big 12. And personally, like, I think it's going to be Georgia and Alabama, Ohio State, or whoever ends up beating them, and it's their conference champion, probably Michigan or Michigan State at that point, and then a Big 12 team. I think it's going to be the Big 12 champion at that point. I had to remind um, myself that Oklahoma and Texas are still in the Big 12, by the way. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's weird because, like, we always... I, I was thinking that, too, because, like, it is a weird thing, uh, especially just because, like... And I here's the other thing. I kind of touched on this on one of our pods, like, towards the... I guess on our season rev- in review, but um, while long while back now, probably in, like, February, but... Oklahoma, as much as they like were not in the conversation last year, they still lost only like one game. I think <laughs> like the the Bearcats going like undefeated really like carried that conversation because Oklahoma, I think just everybody was kind of like, ah, eh, well, we're done with this. I think the whole Spencer Rattler thing kind of shifted that conversation. And then, of course, OK State and Baylor kind of jumping ahead there too. Well, they lost, really changed that narrative. Lost to both Oklahoma State and Baylor. So, but, but yeah, like they. Oh, yeah. I thought they lost. I thought they only lost one of them. Well, 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 there you go. Exactly. Exactly that, though, too. Yeah. Like it's, it's that same sort of point of like with those, with, with Oklahoma being out of that conversation last year. It's just kind of one of those things where, like, you can't forget about Oklahoma as much as we'd like to. Lincoln Riley leaving and everything, like, I think there's a legitimate possibility that, like, they could be back up there. But, you know, that's yet to be seen. And I really think that comes down to, like, program, school, boosters, all that behind the program. And, like, Oklahoma has a certain standard. And that does not, it's not because of Lincoln Riley and it's not because of, you know, certain players or coaches or staff. Like it's just Oklahoma's mentality, kind of similar to the way that like people perceive Ohio state. I mean, I think Alabama is a different one um, because Alabama is just Nick Saban, but (laughs) Ohio state has obviously kept the boat afloat for a long time. I think Oklahoma, I perceive the same way. Um, and then I look at a place like Clemson with Dabo and it's just like, well, that's Dabo and it's either hit or miss. And so that's my perspective on that. But regardless, last question on, um, outside of Cincinnati here, uh, the big 12 has a champion that isn't Oklahoma, Oklahoma state or Baylor. Mm, That'd be a pretty scorching take for me. Um, I just, I don't know. There. I'm been just from doing my own research on the conference. Uh, it feels like there's a pretty thick middle class, um, and mm-hmm. none of those teams have really been able to punch above their weight and get in that conversation. Like Iowa State did for a couple of years, but now they're kind of back down uh, in that middle class. Um, and then I wonder too if you know that maybe like a say like a Texas Tech really just comes out firing this year, but. Seems like there's a lot of six and six, five and seven energy in the Big Twelve right now. 
<laughs> six six, reasons, six energy. I love that. <laughs> um, I'm gonna have to say it's a it's a very spicy take. Not quite to the point of being scorching, but very spicy. And the fact that uh, those teams, I think, are pretty dominant, and that's sort of the expectation. I think Baylor's still kind of like an outlier, though. Too Baylor, you know is much more recent of like relevance at least as far as um that kind of conversation goes but um i mean i don't know i feel like you could end up seeing like a texas tech or definitely not like a tcu i like i said uh, texas will never be back but texas is just such a weird team man like you you genuinely just never know <laughs> you really don't like and, and the thing is, I wouldn't even say, I I would say like Texas would be the, te- okay, so no, okay. I think Texas could end up in the Big 12 like championship game and that's when they'll blow it. But like Texas is never going to be in a situation, I don't think, where they're going to be a champion in the Big 12 this year. It just doesn't seem to happen to me. So like I said, pretty spicy. I think, I think honestly, it's going to be OK State or Oklahoma personally. Not to rule out Baylor, um, but I think OK State honestly just looks so strong. And I'm kind of like a closet Cowboys fan, so you know, I, I think that's where our I think I think that's where I'll lean for that. So it's spicy. It's pretty spicy, but not impossible. Um and then our uh this is that's kind of ends our I guess that ends our segment on the scorching spicier mild that kind of took a long while, but whatever. Uh we're just here to talk. <laughs> Last couple questions, and then we'll wrap this up. Um, one big question that I had, this is kind of backtracking back to the AAC again, but you made me think of this when we were talking about our uh, sort of top three and bottom three um, in the future of the American. What team do you think is going to take over the American after the Big 12 moves? Um, well, if Memphis has their ducks in a row, it should be Memphis, but, uh, I could see SMU, um, really being that SMU has a, a chance to really like elevate itself above the competition. Um, just the problem was that like, they weren't investing enough money into the program. Uh, so we'll right. see if they continue to do that. But, um, I think Memphis is making upgrades to the Liberty bowl and they've already like, their own football facility and i think they just need a better coach honestly i don't i I mean i like the idea of staying in house with your last hire and keeping the train going but the train has uh, not left the station just yet uh so maybe they'll fire their guy and keep going but um honestly i'm gonna go with one of the newcomers man uab is like yeah they're nothing to be trifled with dude like uab is good and like they've built a solid program ever since the um Bear Bryant's son tried to kill the program. Uh, they've re- <laughs> rebuilt it, and it's been really strong. They just lost their head coach um, because he's stepping away, uh, just retiring due to medical issues and and stuff. And you know, good for him. Um, and get get out while you can uh, before it, you right. really get hurt. But um, their recruiting too is really good. Like you, I I've have Pete Thamel's uh, Twitter notifications on, uh, and. He tweeted something uh, a few weeks back about how UAB was like getting recruits from uh, commits from like four star defensive linemen, which is I don't know that's wow. that's pretty good. So um, and like even with new the, stadium too, yeah, new stadium, new coach. 
God, uh, anything to never return to Legion Field in Birmingham again. Uh, I that <laughs> I feel like that was just a uh, horrific. I, I I didn't like that day personally. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, but the, the, you know, just getting back to UAB, I really think like they've put up enough money, and uh, they they're in like talent rich area. They're nearby Louisiana, nearby. Uh, Mississippi, nearby Florida. Like, I think they really have a chance to be one of those schools that either gets a lot of guys out of high school or is a place where people can come home uh, as a transfer. So uh, I'm, I'm interested to see what they become. I'm definitely with you on that. UAB was kind of my sleeper pick. It's a trendy one, um, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's they've got a lot of flash and I think they have a lot to prove. And especially in what's, you know, in my in my mind, it's going to be wide open. You take I mean, you're literally taking the top three teams over the past uh, other than maybe Memphis, of course, and uh, football wise. But you're taking the top three teams over the past really existence of the American. It's. It it is a wild west shootout yeah. in my mind. Um, and personally, like UAB looks the most interesting out of all of those. Um, but I think I, I I have I have three picks here. It's I wanted to make it just one, but I have three picks, and they're all for different reasons. And I'll make them quick. Short term, immediate impact. Who's going to immediately jump in as the takeover for one to two, maybe three seasons? I think that's going to be SMU. I think SMU is going to be that team. Memphis, I think, you know, for a lot of similar reasons you mentioned, could also be that, but I'm going to say SMU for that. On a three- to five-year timeline, I'm going to say that it's going to be, assuming that, you know, there's no super mega conference and all this shit gets real wild in the future, which it could still, the possibilities out there, um, I would say UAB. And then... I would say for long-term outlook, like four seasons to like decade, I think USF really probably off the wall pick for what most people would think. That's a pretty, that's a pretty scorching take, but Oh, Justin, I think, (laughs) I think that USF is going to have a void that they could play into. USF has has there's an alumni base there's the there's there's the location you have the ability to recruit if you can compete for a year or two get the name up get it back into functioning you know a functioning realm i think that long term there is a possibility that usf could be one of the leading teams again in the future not currently it's going to take a long time but I think scale and size, I think that goes a long way. Like if you really look at the American, like granted, every school is going to be different, but you can generally say taking scale of school in football, basketball, much different world, but scale of school in football, in size, money, all of that, and then transferring that against you know football success it's going to be your biggest schools generally in those conferences that are really going to take the money and are going to start running with it. And USF, I think if I'm not, if I'm not incorrect, 
USF would be the biggest school after everybody else leaves, unless maybe it's Memphis. And I could be totally forgetting somebody, but I really think it would be USF or Memphis that would be the biggest schools. Uh, yeah, Memphis is probably uh, pretty big, yeah. Um, maybe Charlotte. I don't know how big they are. Um, sure. uh, Florida Atlantic is also a pretty big school, too. Um, that is true. I, and I, I, Justin, I... I, I I remarked at your USF comment by just thinking to myself, you know, they've never won a conference championship. They, their highest point was being ranked number two in 2007 for two weeks before dropping out of that. Um, they don't have their own on-campus stadium. Um, and I, I don't know. I just like the, so um, the, the, uh, one of the guys from the, one of my favorite college football podcasts, uh, Drew Johnson uh, from split zone duo He's a uh, Tampa native, but a Florida grad. But um, he has always talked about how uh, if something were to happen, like if USF was going to be this program, they would have done it by now already with just the sure. natural advantage they have in Florida. And there's not really like, there is an alumni base, but there's not really like a donor culture there per se. Not yeah, not exactly fair. like UCF maybe. Um, and right. just the lack of success is just like them watching like what opportunities they they had in the past and i don't know i just like on that same vein justin why couldn't like fau a school that's had what's won conference championships and had success in conference usa before do that same thing and just come right in and just really like you know make themselves into that ucf type powerhouse i just i don't know right usf to me they're the team that I am most happy to leave because I don't think there's yeah. any organizational care about that school or that program. Like, I, I just, I don't think not many people, I, I think not many people really care about it. And that, that's fair. I think as outsiders, we all say like, yeah, they're in Florida and stuff, you know, that I don't really think that means much anymore because you, a kid can be recruited from anywhere. Like Alabama can come into Florida real easy and just take who they want. Right. Like, don't really think that matters as much anymore that's and that's a fair point i think from my perspective on this whole thing it's just kind of like honestly i just see like i said that i i see a void and i see a potential for that to be the case and mainly the way the the kind of reasoning behind that and in combat to what you're saying about um you know, USF blowing a lot of their opportunities. You also have to think about the quality of teams that USF has generally had to play. Granted, it's not always been totally great, but you're talking good old days, Big East. You're talking, you know, some really strong teams in the American. Granted, they've blown to a lot of really bad teams, which we're not going to get into right now. Um, but like, like I said, I think that there's just a void and maybe you know, maybe there's a chance there. I think, I think that, like I said, they could get their shit together. I think it's a possibility, but I mean, that's sort of still my like outside pick. I still think UAB is like the hot pick. I think they've got location facilities, you know, organizational backing. Like they're kind of coming off of, like you said, this like program is dead and it's revived and now it's got this sort of like newer energy to it now they're going to be going into a conference expecting to compete and i think memphis and smu 
are going to expect to be knocking in some heads and not expect to get knocked back. And I think that's where UAB could really start to make some strides. Um, Justin, here's the thing, though, to that. Like, I, it, to me, like, you know, there's no reason to think that, um, like, USF couldn't have been one of those teams that won the – I mean, UConn went to a Fiesta Bowl, like, one year. Like, <laughs> dude, how many teams – Great point. How many teams won that Big East? Like it was Louisville, West Virginia, UConn, us. Um, I mean, UCF won uh, the American the year after, while Louisville was still in the league in uh, 2013. Right. At Louis, no, no, uh, yeah. Well, Louisville and Rutgers was were still in the league. Like, there's like I don't know. I just I think like they should have done it by now if they were ever going to do it because the. While while there was definitely some strength in that conference, like you know, UConn making a Fiesta Bowl kind of invalidates that argument to me. <laughs> that's fair. That's definitely fair. Well, and if if there's anything that's proven from this conversation, it's the fact that USF is an interesting point of reference for uh, athletics in any way, shape, or form because they. They are really kind of an enigma with their current setup <laughs> of just how that entire organization runs. But regardless, um, we just have we're going to close out with two quick questions and we'll be done. I this one's been going very long. Well, we, there's always time to talk about everybody else. Uh, Steve, you had a question here. Um, specifically talking to rewatchability rankings. So I'll let you ask that. <clears throat> yeah. So um, I actually uh, looked through um, our Twitter account uh, this year, uh, like this morning, and I was just uh, looking through some of the old clips and stuff um, because I think this is something that Josh, talk, uh, our buddy Josh has talked about before, like what old games do you watch? And obviously right. for the longest time, the answer was, the pit game because I think that's still like yeah. one of the greatest games in UC history. But um, me though, like I feel like we had a lot of iconic games last year and obviously you might not have time to watch like a full game, but what's something that you go back and watch? Like what's the first game you go back to and watch? I think I know your answer and I think I know most UC fans <laughs> answers, but uh, what's the first game? From the 2021 season. Um, yeah, actually, I might have a different answer than you might be expecting. Indiana. Really? Okay. Yeah. As much as Notre Dame, like, Notre Dame's obviously, like, of course, rewatchability. Like, that's super up there. Like, that's just such a memorable moment. There's so much that goes into that. And that was such, like, a sort of glass ceiling breaker that we were just ready to go for and beating up on Brian Kelly. Like, you can't beat that. But... I think when I look back on it, like Indiana, like we're expected to go in there and like just start a sort of kick ass. And we really didn't. It took until the second half. And I think like it was kind of I think that game is fun to watch because it just you can kind of see the adjustments. You see like, you know, the changes start to be made. And um, I, it's it really like in the, towards the tail end of the first half and then really in the second half, that's when that game sort of starts opening up, but it's still like kind of up for grabs in a lot of it. So, um, granted Notre Dame is very similar in that regard, but I don't know. I thought I really enjoyed that game. Yeah. Um, that Indiana game was a lot of fun for me too, just because I was able to go. Um, and right. I just really enjoyed 
like being able to being able to walk out of the the building with a win after Indiana fans had talked so much trash before the game. So, uh, so like, uh, I'm sorry about the dog, by the way. Um, okay. uh, so, but I I think mine probably this is another weird one. Probably be the SMU game because of just how systematic that okay. destruction was. And just enjoying yeah. uh, seeing us operate at full cylinders, dude. Like that was just awesome. Like I think, but like obviously, like those the bigger games are obviously more stressful. And like there, neither the Indiana or Notre Dame games were especially easy, you know. But that SMU one, after a lot of talk from other people about how SMU might win that game, was just such like a wow. Like they just really just demoralized their chance to to even like play you know or win that's a very good point too like i mean that you make there like that was a all in all <laughs> she's having a great time <laughs> that was like an all in all ass beating against a really good team too that had a lot of like really high expectations going in there and like i think there was a lot of like sort of media attention to that saying like this is going to be the one that trips up the Bearcats. And they just, I mean, they just made a mockery of SMU in that game. And like, you know, I, I think that one was, a, that's a, you, that's a good one too. I think, I think I like, we're all going to say like Notre Dame is going to be like the best of the best. But I think like in a way it's almost, I, I feel like Notre Dame feels like the best win. Yeah. But Notre Dame is, it was much more, Sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say uh, Notre Dame is definitely the answer, but um, yeah. like, because I saw someone uh, post the the full the link to, the YouTube link to the full game on Facebook today, like one of my friends, and I just I know that yeah. like that's probably the answer for most Bearcat fans, but uh, I just kind of thought right. that was an interesting uh, question. Yeah, definitely. Well, and I mean it definitely gets people thinking especially if you start maybe if you're not even thinking about notre dame but what's like the second best one so we've kind of answered that there um and then the last question of the day and we'll let everyone get on their way what one or two other teams are you going to be following pretty closely this season that are not the bearcats um so i have two that i usually just follow just for fun um they're G5s, and one of them is in our conference now, but there won't be a future conference mate. So um, my first one is the Hawaii Warriors, um, and this is a, oh, yeah. a one for me because I got to go to the Hawaii Bowl when you see um, played is not the right word for what they did in that game. Uh, they participated, <laughs> I guess. They were, uh, they were tackling <laughs> dummies for uh, San Diego State in that game, but um, yeah. So, uh, but I really enjoyed getting to go there, seeing the culture. Um, I really liked that 2007 uh, a Hawaii team when it was around. Um, I like, I love Colt Brennan. I, I like all those guys that they had. I really enjoyed that team. Uh, and so I got, I bought a Hawaii shirt and I'm officially in on them. So definitely Hawaii is one. Um, a second one, and it's awkward because they're in the conference with us, but uh, East Carolina, uh, I really fell okay. in love with their game day culture uh when i first went there in 2015 with the football team um and yeah. so because it's cool they have like a um uh 
their their flag on the field is not an American flag, it's a pirate flag, and then they raise a red pirate flag before the fourth quarter just to show no quarter, no prisoners, all that fun stuff. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they come out to Purple Haze, and there's a real guy dressed as a pirate um, with Purple Smoke who shows his own swords and, and before the team comes running out. Um, the, the, the announcer uh, says first down, and then the crowd responds with pirates, and after everyone, he says, so uh and then uh i don't know they're just it's just a lot of fun so and i enjoy pirates so that was why that's kind of why i like them um they're they're also pretty enjoyable too um in 2013 14 15 which is why i use them as my dynasty team on ncaa football 13 well there you go so there there you go that's how i kind of grew to love the uh east carolina pirates but if I had to pick one big one as well, um, it would be uh, Arizona uh, because I live out here now, and it's kind of a oh, there you go. Need a uh, the Hawaii games are pay per view, so I don't, I'm not really gonna buy uh, six Hawaii home games. That's not really in the budget right, right now. <laughs> but um, uh, at, like Arizona will be on, and like it'll be local here, and um, I think we're going to try and get to uh, maybe like the homecoming game uh, because uh, uh, my girlfriend is an alum of Arizona, so uh, and then we, we've still got friends down there, so would love to maybe go down there for the homecoming game or maybe the rivalry game between Arizona and Arizona State, so um, oh, but nice. th- yeah, that'll be one I'm, I'm following along with. Um, I Obviously, none of those three are as strong as my love for the Bearcats, but it's kind of fun to have yeah. like other teams to follow just to like see what they're doing. Like if, if I follow them on Twitter, you know, it's real. I, I don't follow East Carolina football or Arizona football on Twitter, but I follow Hawaii football on Twitter. Uh, new yeah. head coach for the Warriors this year, Timmy Chang in the brotherhood uh, out in the, they, and they, they lost a few guys <laughs> to transfers, but they, they got some dudes back in transfers. Like there was like, Three brothers from Nebraska that transferred back to Hawaii because I think they're originally from um, Hawaii. Huh. So they like they're like, no, we're uh, we want to be part of this. We're going back. So that's awesome. Yeah, I, th- I thought that was pretty cool. Hmm. Well, if I I I've got like th- I I have a shadow of like four. <laughs> it's never really just one other one that I'd be following, but. Like I said earlier, I'm kind of a closet Oklahoma State fan. Really, just I'm I'm a sh- I'm a shadow stalker of <laughs> of Oklahoma State. I don't really like root for them per se. I, I I I root for them in my brain, but I don't root for them online per se. But I watch them and I watch their games, and I think they're definitely interesting. They're fun to watch for sure. Um, I'm definitely gonna be watching Vanderbilt this season. Um, moving to Nashville. Um. So that'll be uh, moving to Nashville in September. So hopefully going to get out there to uh, watch all of these other SEC teams uh, scrimmage and practice whatever plays they want to practice against Vanderbilt Uh, (laughs) because Vanderbilt is the universal scrimmage for any SEC team. Um, So that'll be fun. But maybe, who knows, maybe they could just sneakily be somewhat not awful. We'll see. Um, And then... The other two, um, I tend to shadow watch. It's more of hate watch than anything. Ohio State a lot. 
as much as I don't like, because I feel like I watch every game because I want them to lose. <laughs> and maybe that's just like a divine hatred that I have in me that I need to figure out on my own. Uh, but it's fun to just watch Ohio State because they are, a f- you can't, like as a Bearcats fan, like you have to admit, like Ohio State is a fun team to watch as much as we hate them. They're, they like make electric plays. They have such a cool atmosphere, but it's not as much, it's not the craziest thing that they think it is. So I, t- I don't know. I tend to watch a lot of Ohio State games just to hope that they lose. Like I watched the OSU Michigan game this past season, and that was like one of my favorite games to watch this whole past yeah. year because it was just nice to finally have them shut up. I definitely get that. Yeah. That, that makes sense. It's, I, I, it's almost the same way. Like, I sh- I hate watch uh, Norwood State games too. Right. Like I do that all the time. Like it's just I mean, it's and also because like the Big East channel just always happens to be like in my rundown of YouTube TV. So then like or not YouTube, Big East um, Fox is just always up there and they're always on at some point or another. So right. them and then um, the uh, the last team. I would like you to guess who you think the last team would be. This is not a hate watch. This is just a joy watch. Um, have you picked up uh, like Central Michigan or something uh, uh, since you moved up no. to Michigan? Who is it? No. Huh? Uh, who, who is it? Who's the team? You have to guess. I have to guess? Ah, oh, damn. You have, to get a, you have to get the conference right, and then you have to guess the team. Uh, is it a P5? Not a P5. Okay. It's a G5. Uh, is it the uh, Mac? Not the Mac. Uh, is it the Mountain West? It is the Mountain West. The Boise State. Yes, sir. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. How about that? That was a pretty good guess. I'm honestly impressed that you got all the way to that. Boise State's just fun to watch. Like, I always think, I think of them, like, in the same way that, like, I think of the Bearcats. Like, they're just, ex- they're, like, exciting teams that you never, like, that a lot of people don't expect to like be good, but everybody knows they're good and they beat up on everybody they're supposed to beat up on. So I don't know. Boise state's just fun to watch and the blue field is just otherworldly. It's enjoyable for sure. <laughs> that was a pretty good guess. I'm surprised you got that. Thank so you. fast. Yeah. I, I, um, I don't know. That's like, that's a pretty good extra team to follow. I'd say. Yeah. But, um, we have kept everybody. F- Whoa. F- damn near two hours <laughs> uh, we just haven't we haven't potted much this entire summer so we're kind of just lumping it all together but um we might start rolling these out here a little more often a little definitely more succinctly um especially with the season coming up um hopefully we might get a couple of guests on here and uh, get rolling with that but um for all else i mean once football season starts we're going to be here every week so with that said, Steve, do you have any closing remarks? No, I don't. I'm just really excited for the season to start. It's less than a month away. And um, uh, you mentioned higher ground earlier, Justin. Uh, shout out to all the guys that are there, um, especially the sports staff that are there, uh, basically taking a two-and-a-half-week work trip um, just to support the team and stuff. Uh, I think higher ground is such a neat concept, but I don't think people realize like the sacrifice that goes into it by like a lot of like the people that work there so uh shout out to them right. obviously they get fed and stuff and like the, the higher ground is pretty famous for the meals so they're gonna they're not <laughs> suffering or anything they're doing okay but 
Um, I think that's just a big commitment. Uh, so I just wanted to shout out to them. I did that for a few years there back in the day. So um, I definitely know what they're going through. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool. Uh, if that wraps everything up, um, only closing remark for me would be the same that um, it's about time for Bearcats football to get back out on that field. It's about damn time. Um, we'll probably. <laughs> If we don't have an episode, um, you know, in the next week or two, we'll definitely have one um, the week or weekend of or before Arkansas, just go leading up to that. So be on the lookout for that or anything that comes in between. Again, thank you for listening. If you've stuck around this long, I doubt anyone's probably listened to us for nearly two hours. But if you have, we appreciate you. Uh, send us a DM or something if you've reached this point. Um, and we will give you a gigantic thank you. Um, anyways, take care, guys. Go Bearcats. And we'll talk soon. Bearcats.